Hello, and welcome to Episode 4 of Paint by Murders. I'm your host, narrator, and author, M. Travis DiNicola. Paint by Murders is an original mystery novel. It is the first in a series of Harrisburg homicide mysteries. In the last episode, Keith and Ginger visited with Jane at her house and were overwhelmed by her contemporary art collection, including a brick Alan Moonshine used in a performance. When Jane shows off a strange room dedicated to just her husband's photographs, Keith becomes dizzy and very tired. Keith has a mild form of narcolepsy, which he often struggles with. Later, Keith and Ginger are invited to dinner at her boss's house. Each episode of this podcast, dropping once a week, will feature subsequent installments from the novel. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoy the story. Chapter 9 It was a little after 6 by the time they were out the door, so they walked quickly towards the uptown neighborhood. The narrow streets, lined with the brownstone townhouses of Midtown, opened to wider avenues and older single-family homes. On the way, Ginger prepped Keith for the dinner. He had not yet met her boss. Stephen is a big man, both tall and wide and flamboyant. He'll be the first to tell you that he is a big, old, fat, gay hippie. I don't know much about his husband, Adam, other than that Stephen says he is the complete opposite of him and supposedly totally gorgeous. How this invitation come about? Is there some occasion? Nope, just Monday. Stephen said he's really pleased with my work and that he and Adam were talking over the weekend and wanted to have us over to meet him and so they can meet you. I had showed him some pictures of your paintings and he'd love them. Who knows? You might even make a sale. Ha. We'll see. I'm not going to push that. But, but if he brings it up. Oh, I'm sure he will. He's not subtle. That must be their house up there on the corner. That's Stephen's bike. They were only a few minutes late. The house was a large, well-kept, two-story, traditional brick home with a spacious, screened-in porch on the side, a detached garage, and a yard that was of a decent size for being in the city. In the driveway sat a sleek, red Ducati motorcycle and a matte gray Mercedes. It looked like Ginger's boss was doing well for being an old hippie. They walked up the landscape brick path towards the front door, intending to take the steps to the small porch and ring the bell when the door was flung open by a man who Keith knew must be Stephen. He was as big as Ginger had suggested, maybe bigger, and with his long, loose gray hair, aviator glasses, and beard, he certainly resembled Jerry Garcia. He was wearing a tie-dye t-shirt, cargo shorts, and blue Crocs. Greetings, he bellowed. Welcome, Ginger. You look beautiful as always, he said as he grabbed her arms to pull her forward so he could quickly kiss her on the cheek. He released her and turned to Keith, saying, And you must be the painter. I love your hair. As he embraced Keith in a bear hug. I'm glad you two could come tonight. I know, I apologize for the short notice, but we'll have a wonderful time. Please, come inside. He held the door open for them as he shouted, Adam, our guests are here. The front door led to a bare wood hallway, which bisected the house. On the right was a very comfortable-looking living room, or maybe a library, with lots of books, dark leather chairs, and a sofa. To the left was the dining room. In complete contrast to the room across the hall, it was bright with light and furnished with a minimalist, hard-lying contemporary glass table and metal chairs. Keith took this in quickly as he was ushered down the hall towards the kitchen where Adam was making dinner. They could smell the baking garlic as they entered. Adam was, as promised, the complete opposite of Stephen. A lean, muscular black man, Adam was not nearly as tall as Stephen, and Keith estimated at least 15 years younger. He was wearing a white dress shirt, sleeves rolled up for the kitchen work, with a pale blue silk tie still on, though loosened. 
His silver slacks were impeccably tailored and sharply creased, and suggested that the missing half of his English suit would be just as crisp. His black Italian leather shoes looked as if they had just been polished, but not nearly as comfortable as the Crocs, Keith thought. Introductions were made all around, and then Adam asked them if they would like some wine. Oh, we brought some, said Ginger as she produced the bottle from her purse and handed it to Adam. It's from our favorite Michigan winery. Adam carefully inspected the label. That is very kind of you. Thank you. This looks lovely. I think this meritage will be perfect with our pasta. Let's save it for dinner. Can I offer you something else now? How about a dry rosé? Summer isn't quite over yet, right? Ginger said that a rosé sounded great, and Keith agreed. Excellent. Let me grab some from the wine cellar, and I'll be right back. Adam said as he opened a door and headed down the stairs to the basement, and apparently their wine cellar. In his brief absence, Ginger turned to Stephen and whispered, He is gorgeous. Stephen smiled. I know, I told you. I don't exaggerate, but honey, your very handsome husband is standing right here and can hear you. They heard Adam's footsteps quickly returning, and then heard him saying, I grabbed two different ones. We'll see which one we like best. Keith, would you mind opening one while I check on dinner? The corkscrew's in that top drawer, he said as he pointed to the cabinets, and then turned back to attend to the bread in the oven. Sorry to ask you, but Stephen always breaks the cork off. I do not, pouted Stephen. Yes, you do, but you're very good at finding wine glasses. Could you do that, please, honey? Stephen made a fuss of being insulted, and then of recovering from it, found the wine glasses and poured the chilled rosé, which Keith had opened. Adam thanked them both and said that they had about 20 minutes before dinner would be ready and suggested that they all take their glasses of rosé out onto the porch, which was just off the kitchen. They all agreed that was a splendid idea. As they sat down in the white wicker chairs, Keith said, I hope you don't mind me asking, but where'd you get this wine? We haven't been able to find anything like this at the wine shop down the street from us. Oh, God, exclaimed Stephen. That's where you've been going? You can't find anything other than Rotgut in that dreary place. It's a shame, too, because that's the only wine shop within walking distance. We go to the wine shop across the river in Lemoyne to stock up. They have a beautiful selection. Adam added, that wine shop is about the only thing that will get Stephen across the river. That's true. If we only had a decent wine shop in Midtown, I'd never have to go to the West Shore, ever. They're all so snobby over there. I'm from there said Adam dryly to Keith and Ginger. But you live here now. You know you're completely East Shore, said Stephen. What is it with this whole East Shore, West Shore thing, asked Ginger. We've been hearing about that since we moved here. Well, said Stephen, you've heard about the Troubles in Ireland, right? It's sort of like that. It's not that bad, said Adam. Stephen does exaggerate, no matter what he tells you. There's just been a long history of people not wanting to cross the river from the west to the east because they see Harrisburg as this big, faraway, dangerous, urban place. But it's less than a mile. It doesn't even take two minutes to go across the bridge, said Keith. Still, old habits die hard, said Adam. You can tell when someone just moved here, like you two, because they think nothing of going back and forth across the river. But people who have lived here their entire lives, they're the ones who avoid it. Like me, said Stephen as he raised his almost empty glass. It's actually quite nice over there, said Adam with a nod to the west. Not just the wine shop, but Camp Hill has some great restaurants and beautiful neighborhoods. It's just much more suburban and conservative. Some people do call it the White Shore, which is why I don't live there anymore. And because you have me and our beautiful home over here, added Stephen. I came over here long before I met you, honey. 
that was followed by a brief silence as they finished off their glasses of wine, and Ginger shot Keith a look that he understood to mean he shouldn't pursue this line of the conversation, but her husband couldn't help but ask, um, how did you two meet? Stephen laughed so hard, his belly shook under his tie-dye. You mean, how did this big old fat hippie queen end up with this young, handsome accountant? Um, yeah, I guess, stammered Keith. Let me grab that other bottle of wine, said Stephen as he went to the kitchen. You're an accountant, asked Ginger. I am, said Adam. That's actually how we met. Stephen returned with the bottle and handed it and corkscrew to Keith. Keith, if you don't mind, thank you. Yep, I used to try and take care of my own books at the flower shop and had some issues. The IRS would have shut him down if it wasn't for me, Adam said as he picked up the story. It was a nightmare. You heard about small businesses where the owner keeps all the receipts and shoeboxes? Well, shoeboxes would have been an improvement on what Stephen had going on there. Total chaos. The receipts and bills they did have were basically just piled on the floor by his desk or in his head. No accounting or billing software, not even a spreadsheet somewhere. I had just started working at my firm. Stephen had called them a desperation. I wouldn't say desperation, interrupted Stephen. Adam continued. He'd call them in desperation to save him from the IRS. One of the partners had gone out for a site visit to see how bad it was. When he returned, you could see the terror in his eyes. Okay, now that is an exaggeration, exclaimed Stephen, but he was smiling. Only slightly. I had the least seniority, and they tossed it to me to see if I could prove myself. Sink or swim, I guess. Well, I did prove myself, and I saved St. Stephen's Country Garden, and today I'm a partner. It was Ginger's turn to interrupt. Wait, hold on. China Cat Sunflowers used to be called St. Stephen's Country Garden? Stephen gave her a sheepish grin. I've always been a Grateful Dead fan. But why did you change the name, asked Ginger. Well, Adam made a comment. I suggested that most people wouldn't get the reference to the Grateful Dead song, and that calling it St. Stephen's made it sound as if Stephen considered himself a saint, which he is not. That was never my intention, protested Stephen. Once Adam pointed it out to me, I was so embarrassed that I changed the name. Anyway, that was later and not the point of the story. Adam came in the shop and started helping me to organize my books, setting up a system for me, and we end up spending a lot of time together. A lot of time together, added Adam. And what can I say? Opposites attract. We weren't that opposite. You were a lot thinner then, said Adam with a slight smile. Ouch. You are lucky I love you so much said Stephen as he got up and kissed his husband on the forehead, then looked around with an exaggerated effort and said, Do I smell dinner? I believe you do, said Adam as he stood from his chair. Ginger, Keith, I hope you forgive us for being so informal tonight, but I'm just going to have everyone come to the kitchen and serve themselves if that's all right with you, and then we can go to the dining room. They said that would be just fine. Chapter 10 Dinner was simple but elegant, the pasta and pesto were both homemade by Adam, served with tomatoes and mozzarella. The garlic they had smelled earlier was from the garlic bread he had just baked. It was served with a salad of fresh greens and a light balsamic dressing. Throughout dinner, Adam and Stephen peppered Keith and Ginger with questions about their life in Michigan, why they came to Harrisburg, and how they liked it so far. Ginger mentioned visiting Jane at her house, and they were intrigued. Everyone knows her around town, said Stephen, but I've never really talked with her other than to say hello. Have you talked with her? He asked Adam, who shook his head no. What is she like? Is she as wacky as she seems? I heard she has a room of nude photographs. Is that true? 
It is true, said Ginger, who went on to describe the white room. Their hosts were enraptured and wanted all the details she could remember. Oh, God, I would love to see her spinning in that chair, said Stephen. Can I get anyone dessert? asked Adam. I made some key lime pie. Stephen, I know you want some. Yeah, that's one of my favorites, said Ginger. Yes, please for me too, but only a small piece. I have to go on a hike to work this dinner off. Keith, you as well? asked Adam. Yes, please. As he was serving the pie, Adam asked him if they hiked often. Oh, no, not really. It was just a figure of speech, said Ginger. We, we both walk a lot, mainly around town, especially by the river, but we don't really hike. I have no interest in camping out unless it's in a hotel room. Adam said he couldn't stand tents either, but loved hiking the trails nearby. Just a few hours from here is a state park called Ricketts Glen, where you can hike up and down a mountain along two streams that have something like two dozen waterfalls along them. It's a tough hike on some slippery rock steps, but absolutely worth it. If you're interested, I'm always looking for hiking buddies. He said this last sentence as he looked at Stephen with a, an accusatory glance. I love the outdoors, but I do not hike, Stephen responded, looking at his belly and then adding with a sigh, obviously. And I'm not about to go alone, added Adam. Why not? Ginger asked. Honey, if you didn't notice, I'm black. It may be the 21st century, but it still isn't a good idea for a black man to be walking in the woods alone in Pennsylvania, said Adam as he shrugged his shoulders. Oh, oh, I'm not, I'm, I'm not sure what to say, Ginger said apologetically. Not your fault, it just is what it is. I'm not saying I'm worried about getting beaten up or anything, but I really don't like having people look at me on the trail as if they're afraid of me, which is what happened when I used to hike alone. If I hike with a white person or two, no one notices me and everyone feels safe, especially me. Wow, said Keith, I never thought about that. Well, you wouldn't have to, would you? It was a pointed question, but there was no malice in it. But truly, if you two ever want to go hiking with me, please let me know. We'll do that, said Ginger. Thank you, and thank you for this wonderful dinner. We greatly appreciate it, and you inviting us into your beautiful home. Think nothing of it, said Stephen. It's our pleasure just as much. Adam jumped in. Stephen is just happy that he finally has an employee he can count on. The last few haven't worked out. Who was that awful last one? Rose? He asked Stephen, who nodded in a sense. I know I'm speaking out of turn, but Ginger, he is so thrilled you're working there, and that makes me happy. That is awfully nice of you to say, said Ginger to Adam, and then turned to address Stephen. I want you to know how happy I am to be working there. It's a divine shop, and I appreciate all the trust you've already shown me. You are very welcome, said Stephen. But before we start to embarrass each other more, I want to talk with your husband about his painting. Ginger showed me some photographs of your work on the web, and I think they're stunning. I showed some to Adam as well, and he agreed. We want to buy one. Oh, wow. Uh, thanks. You've already decided which one? asked Keith. Adam laughed out loud. No, not yet, said Stephen as he shot Adam a look. If you can already tell, our tastes are pretty different. Guess who decorated this room? His hands swept out to present the stark modern-day core. Mm, Adam? guessed Keith. Of course I did. And he decorated the library, or what I call the cave, across the hall. The rest of the house is just as crazy mixed up, but every now and then we agree on something. The bedroom, inserted Stephen. Wow, just tell them everything, honey. I meant the decor. We agreed on the decor for the bedroom, exclaimed Stephen with a laugh. Anyway, to find something we both like may take a while. When are you going to have a show here in town? You know, I don't know. 
Jane asked me the exact same thing. I guess I just need to get out and start visiting some of the galleries around here. Maybe I'll do that tomorrow. Chapter 11. The next day, Keith decided to take Jane's and Adam and Stephen's advice and visit some Harrisburg galleries, warming to the idea of showing his work locally. He first went to the Harrisburg Art Members Gallery. Their offices and galleries were in the beautiful historic Governor Finley Mansion on Front Street, facing the park and the Susquehanna. The old stone building was tall, long, and narrow. Coming in through the cramped entryway, he was greeted warmly by the young volunteer at the front desk. She had the calculated look of an art student, dark bobbed hair, heavy dark glasses, and lots of scarves wrapped around her. Keith guessed she was interning from one of the nearby universities. She told him that their fall member show was on display with more than 200 works in the multiple gallery rooms on three different levels throughout the mansion. Her sentences were statements, but were said with an upward inflection that made them sound as if she was asking questions. Keith said thanks, thinking that being able to see the member show would give him a good idea about what the association valued. He started on the first floor and slowly worked his way up. The styles and subject matter varied even more wildly than in Jane's collection. The quality of the work varied quite a bit as well, unlike Jane's. Keith knew that was to be expected with any show featuring the works of many amateur members. However, there were a number, quite a refreshing number, he thought, of members who were trained professional artists who had submitted some very strong work. A group of glass mosaic landscapes and still lives stood out as exceptional, as well as a series of crisp black and white photographs of the bridges crossing the Susquehanna. There are plenty of works that Keith could picture seeing in the galleries he showed in. And then there were a few pieces here and there that weren't awful, but were clearly the work of less skilled hands. Lightly pixelated photographs or awkward brush strokes, especially when depicting hands and eyes. These were works you would never see in a commercial gallery, but Keith thought it was important that this gallery was willing to show them. They were made by artists who were still developing. After all, he himself got his start in a gallery just like this. Right out of school, when he first saw his own paintings hung next to those of more advanced artists, he also saw what he had to work on if he was ever going to become a professional. Before he left the gallery, he stopped by the front desk again. The volunteer looked up and smiled politely. I was wondering, said Keith, how does one become a member? Oh, are you an artist? Her face brightened. Yes, a painter. Oh, that's excellent. Let me get you an application form. She continued to turn her statements into questions with upspeak. After a moment of rummaging through a file cabinet next to the desk, she pulled out the member application. To become a member, apparently Keith would have to give his name and contact information and pay 50 bucks, a very reasonable member fee. The volunteer told him that if he wanted to think about it, he could also fill it out online. He told her no, that he would fill it out right now, which seemed to delight her. He wondered if she got a commission. If she did, it couldn't be that much. You're the first member I've ever signed up, she exclaimed. I've been interning here for two semesters, and I've never signed up a member? The other volunteers have been kidding me that I'm bad luck? She held out her hand. I'm Alicia. It's nice to meet you, Alicia. Keith took her hand and gave her his filled-out application and credit card. I'm Keith. She looked down at the application and then back at him with an even more questioning expression on her face. Keith Reed? The painter? He was surprised she had heard of him and told her so. Wow, this is so cool. I saw your work at a gallery in New York last year. I loved it. Thank you, said Keith. My research at school is on early 20th century American painters. They're some of my favorites. I can tell. 
When I saw your work, it's like you were painting then too? Then she stammered and added without the upspeak. Not, not that you're that old or anything. Sorry, that's not what I meant. No offense taken. I understood what you meant. Thank you. Alicia beamed at Keith as she processed his payment and then went on to tell, question him, that Miss Carrie, with a K, who ran the association, was going to be so glad to hear that Keith Reed was going to be a member and that she would introduce him to Carrie, but that her boss was out getting lunch right now, but that he had to stop by later and introduce himself, and they would send him his member card in the mail. It was all said in one breath. Maybe you would be interested in teaching a class? He said he would consider it and promised that he'd come back soon. As Keith closed the heavy wooden door behind him, he couldn't help but smile at the thought that an art student had recognized his name. And maybe was flirting with him? Perhaps Keith's work would end up in a museum someday after all? He laughed to himself at the questions. It was contagious. He was now thinking in upspeak. You've been listening to Episode 4 of Paint by Murders. Thanks to Pixabay.com for the music. Come back in a week for the next episode. If you would like more information about the project or have comments you would like to share, please do so on the social media pages where you found this or email me at paintbymurders at gmail.com. I'm your host, narrator, and author, M. Travis DiNicola. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 